How you guys doing? Anyone feeling pretty good this morning? Two people? All right. Um, well, today is going to be the very last installment of our series called Love Like This. And this is my big cue for Priscilla to... Oh, there she is. Okay. Um, she's going to be reading the scripture. It's the last installment. We're going to do something a little bit different. I think normally I try to give you a, a, a chunk of scripture from the same passage. Uh, not today, because we got plenty of different passages from different books of the scripture. So we're going to go and do four. Maybe Priscilla can like do a little dramatic pause after each one. But these four are all binded together with the theme of, can you guess? Love, good guess. Um, but each one is going to bring like... <laughs> Um, a, a different angle on that topic. Okay, so here's the scripture. There's four. Uh, here's the word of God. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For you showed sympathy to the prisoner and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So since this is the last series, um, I think it'd be really appropriate to do a review. Don't you? Um, they say that a teacher's best friend is repetition. So let me say that again. A teach. <laughs> okay. Um, no, seriously. Um, so so here's the thing. I, I have fill in the blanks. Bruce, please don't give in the blanks before it's the time. Uh, these are reviews of each message. Each message had a main idea. The main idea is put in like a proverb of sorts. I got the proverbs. Uh, it has a blank. It's in your bulletin. If you pull out the outline, you can kind of guess along. Or if you remember, you can just... Now, here's the thing. If you can fill in the blank and you can say it out loud, I'm going to give you a whole dollar. Yes, this dollar can be yours. Now, I don't have enough money for dollar bills for each outline point. So we're just going to be selective, okay? Okay, um, are you guys motivated? Come on. I, I would do anything for a dollar. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right, ready? Ready. This one is going to be for a dollar. The other one is for heavenly cash. This one is for money, okay? Message number one. We talked about how love begins with... Mark already said it because he wants the money. Okay. What did you say, Mark? Said again? Looking. No, that's wrong. Give me my money back. No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. Looking. Now, if you remember the video, there's a video of these people who are looking at each other for four minutes. They would burst into tears. Because looking is that powerful. Jesus would look at people before he would do a miracle. We look at the miracle when we look at Jesus looking. Okay, you guys remember that. Okay, number two. This one's just for heavenly cash, okay? Uh, we talked about not judging people. That whenever you see a speck 
in someone else's eye, it's a great opportunity for you to reflect on your own. What? What'd you guys say? The answer is log. Come on, read your Bible. It's right there in the Bible. Reflect on your own log. Let me hear you guys say log. Okay. All right. Do you remember the, the picture of Kim Kardashian? And you, No? Okay. Well, we did that, and, and we're like, hey, don't judge her. Don't judge her. You know, and then we practice, like, reflecting on your own log. Interestingly, during that week, someone uh, texted me and said, hey, did you know, like, Kim Kardashian is putting together a Bible study with her friends? Now, some of you want to say something sarcastic and judgmental, but you're not going to say it, right? Okay, all right, all right, that's number two. Okay, number three, then Calvin talked about the secret to how you forgive someone who is so hard to forgive. And the, the key to forgiving someone who is very hard to forgive is that it must come as a blank from God's love for you. Come on. You can guess now. It's okay. Response. Quest. Quest. No. Uh, Eric, no, no. I, I heard you. I heard you, bro. I heard you, bro. You deserve that dollar. You deserve that dollar. Okay. Response. It becomes as a response. We don't have that sort of power, and so we must receive it from God. It must come as a response. That is the key to forgiving another person. Okay. All right. Next one. I'm out of cash. Okay. The next one. We talked about how love takes the blankest place. And the example was Jesus on the cross. The example is the story of Robert McCulkin. What is the blank? Love takes the blankest place. What is it? Lowest place. Not the highest place. Not even medium high. Not even semi-low. The lowest place, right? And again, the story was Robert McCulkin. He used to be a university president. And then he resigned so he can take care of his wife full-time. Who had Alzheimer's? That would be a great demonstration of someone following in the footsteps of Jesus. Okay, now, Calvin and I, for these last two weeks, we actually want to try to wrap up the series, and, and here's the idea. Here's the idea. You take all of these concepts together, right? Take them all together. Take the lowest place. Look at people. Don't judge them, but look at your, the own log in your own eye, you know. Uh, love people not out of plenty, but even out of sacrifice. And I, I feel like right now our focus in trying to hold all this is we're not going to give you anything like more like what or how. I think every Sunday was a what or a how. I think right now what we need to address and what Calvin did a great job addressing last week is why? Why should I? Now, isn't that the fundamental question? Very few of us were like, well, I, I didn't know I was supposed to take the lowest place. You, you kind of knew. You knew what and you knew how, but a lot of times we, we don't have the why. Like, why should I? It's the motivation. Why, why, why do I want to do that? I don't want to do that. Why look at people? Who has time to look at people? I don't have four minutes to look at Mark right now. Why take the lowest place and, like, and, and crawl around in filth, cleaning up after your wife? 
Why would I want to do it? Last week, um, um, Colin and Priscilla shared about going all the way across the world to hang out with kids that live in a garbage village. And you take your kids into that reality and the smell, the excrement, the sour, pervasive. Why would I want to do that? Why would you ever want to do that? Why? Why love to the point of sacrifice? It's not convenient. Who has time to do that? I, I passed by a homeless man. Why? I don't have time to talk to the homeless man. I don't even want to talk to the homeless man. He smells. Why would I want to do that? Why do any of that? Anyone with me? Anyone ever like, I know what and I know how. It's just, I don't know why. Why should I? Well, uh, this whole message today is my best attempt to answer why. And the answer shouldn't come from me. The answer should come from Scripture. So I, I'm pretty excited about this answer because I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. This answer is really counterintuitive. People did not come in thinking this was the why. Scripture will surprise you. Scripture will give you the unexpected. Scripture is counterintuitive. Now, uh, take a look at this verse. Okay, this is uh, Hebrews uh, 12.2. Okay, this is, I, I think, the, the best attempt at answering why. Okay, looking to Jesus. Okay, so we're looking for an answer of why do any of that. Why love to the point of sacrifice? And you look to Jesus, right? Jesus, the founder and protector of our perfecter of our faith, who for blank, now that blank is the motivation, that blank is the motivation right there, for blank that was set before him, endure the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now I want to make this clear, okay, in all of human history, the ultimate act of love was on the cross. In all of human history, the ultimate act of sacrifice was on the cross. Those two converge on the cross. Sacrifice and love on the cross. Why did Jesus do it? Now, if you look at the, the, the construction of that sentence, it says um, that he endured the cross, despising the shame because of the blank. Now, whatever that blank is, that should probably be your motivation, wouldn't you say? I mean, that motivated Jesus to endure the most... A gruesome, awful, nasty sacrifice ever to be made, and that blank motivated him, then wouldn't you say that that blank should also be your motivation too? Jesus was motivated by the joy. Anyone expecting that one? Were you expecting that one? The joy? The joy. So, so oh, okay, hold on. So, so, so this message is all about why. Why love to the point of sacrifice? Why, why, um, why take the lowest place? Why, why, don't, why forgive people who are hard to forgive? And the Bible has the audacity to say, yeah, 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 you should do it. And I'll tell you the biggest reason why you should do it. You should do it for the sake of joy. Is that your motivation? Now, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to try to explain this the best that I can, okay? This is a little bit mysterious, like, joy, what? There's, there's a fundamental disconnect. I want to, through the scripture, by explaining the scripture, try to bridge the disconnect, okay? And I, I do believe that if you understand what's going on here, when you do something like clean up filth in a puddle, if you really understand what's going on here, you'd be like, 
I am the luckiest person in the world to be able to do this. Now, according to what I understand of the scripture, totally counterintuitive, but the scripture is like, you should do it, trial of joy. Okay, now let's, uh, let's, uh, let's unpack this further. Now, let me try to unpack it further. Um, what we got is we got two points, right? I only got two points. Uh, Calvin hit, uh, I guess, a third or the first one last week. But, but we got two, uh, uh, four scripture verses, and we got two points, right? The first two scripture verses really uh, make the case for the first point, which is more internal. Uh, the last two scripture verses really make the case for the second point, which is more external. Okay, the first one's more internal, second one's more external. There's two parts of this message. Here's the first part. I'm going to start off with a story. When um, Raina, Raina's right there, Raina's my wife. Um, she's awesome, by the way. Um, when Raina married me, she started to realize, she was like, uh-oh, she didn't know how competitive I was. Um, some of you in this room know how competitive I am. Uh, I grew up with an older brother. We just love to compete. And, um, and so she said, whoa, whoa my, my husband's really competitive. I didn't know that. And then something else happened. We started having kids. And then she got worried. And she got worried because the kids are going to grow up. And when they grow up, they're going to play sports and play games with their father. And she was worried that their father would crush them whenever they would play sports together and just destroy their self-esteem. That was her legitimate concern. And so, sure enough, my kids grew up. And they learned chess. Ryan learned chess. He was really excited about it. And he came back home from school one day, Daddy. I played chess with my classmates. I won every game. I think I might be the best in my class. Now, let me just tell you a little bit of philosophy like, uh, that I share with my brother. Now, listen, when you crush another person in a game or a sport, it's not that bad. Now, let me explain. Number one, it teaches humility. Amen. Number two, if I'm this good and my opponent is, is that good, right, and I crush them, there's all this motivation for them to get better. Can someone give me an amen? <laughs> all right. Who is that? Let's talk later. I have a dollar for you. <laughs> who is that? Who is that? I, I, thank you. Yes. Okay. High five right there. So, okay. So, my son says, you know, Daddy, I think I might be the best in my class. They say, go get your chessboard and let's see. So he goes and he comes back with a chessboard and we're playing. Now, now, now listen, like he's like trash talking me. He's a little, he's trash talking me, right? I'm just like, you need a lesson on humility, boy. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. So we're playing, right? Now, how many of you guys know that when you play chess, you can get checkmate as soon as how many moves? Two, right? But they have to do something. But if they don't do something and they don't do a defense, you can get checkmate in four moves, right? You guys know this. Uh, some of you know this, right? So what you, what you do is you, you go, you go, you pawn. You go, you're a bishop. You go queen, and then boom, checkmate, right? Boom, right? You guys with me? Okay, so, so I, I, do, I, do the, I do the pawn. He doesn't expect anything. I do the bishop. Doesn't, doesn't no defense. I do, I do the queen, and then he does not defend. Now it's time to go boom, right? I'm about to go boom. About to go, and I'm picking up the queen, and the queen is unusually heavy. I couldn't... I. Okay, boom, right? You're like, boom, crush him, get better, right? I couldn't do it. And so I moved my pawn instead. Now, now what happened is, like, he played, he played, he took my pieces, I took some of his, we're pacing, we're pacing toward the end. You guys, not only did I not crush him, but I let him beat me. What's wrong with me? 
what happened to my philosophy? I'm talking to Raina, 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 this is your fault. This is your, what would you do to me? You know, what's, what's going on here? I, I couldn't crush my son. Now, I'll tell you why. What I understand biblically that's happening is that I have wrapped up my joy in the joy of my son. So when it was time to crush him, I couldn't crush him because crushing him would be like crushing myself. And I couldn't crush him. (laughs) In fact, when he won, I enjoyed that more than if I had won. This is weird. What's happening? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to love. No, no, no. Think about this. Think about this. Okay. The second commandment. Second commandment is what? And the second is like, like the first, right? In what? You shall love what? Tell me. Your neighbor as who? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Seven words. Seven words. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you have been in church for a while, so you're like, I've heard that before. I know, understand what it means. What if you have stopped wondering before you have grasped the fullness of what that means? Now, if that's true, then it means that you're thinking on this, and your understanding is probably incomplete. And if that's true, then we need to start wondering again. What does this mean? When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, what does this mean? Okay, well, let's start here. I think people go, well, we should read this as a strategy. You go, okay, love your neighbor as yourself. How would I want to be loved right now? I would love a boba, you know? You go, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get that person a boba. Strategic, right? How many of you guys read love your neighbor as yourself and it's strategic, yeah? Yeah? Okay, good. Done, right? Okay, we get it. Whoa, 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 someone goes, hold, 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 hold. No, 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 you can also read that as like quantitatively, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. I love myself this much. I love my boss or my, my roommate like this much, you know? Okay, I got to raise the roof on my love quantity for my neighbor. Okay, so you read it like that, right? Okay, are we all on the same page? No, I think at this moment we're like, okay, I get it, we're done. No, I think there's another way to read it. What about emotionally? You ever think about that? Could this also be emotionally? Uh, What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, okay. uh, When I do something good for myself, I receive this much joy. When I do something good for my neighbor, I receive like this much joy. Could Jesus mean that when you do something good for your neighbor, receive this much joy because this is how much joy you get when you do stuff for yourself. You eat a good meal, I feel this much joy. When you feed your neighbor, you also feel the same level of joy. Could Jesus mean find your joy in the joy of another? Could Jesus mean that? Uh, Let me me break this down. Um, I, I would say... This summer, I had sort of a breakthrough. It, it wasn't like, you know, angels singing like, oh, it, w- it wasn't like that. It was just small, tangible, but definitely God was there. Let me tell you what happened. I, um, I was thinking about this. Uh, love is to find your joy in the joy of another. Love is to find your... So I've been thinking about this, meditating on this, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. Okay, 
One day, uh, I woke up, you know, school started for the kids recently, I rolled out of the bed, it, you know, it was dark outside, and, and Raina had like an avalanche of, you know, blankets and pillows on top of her. 6.30, it's still dark, and I heard a muffled voice, you know, kind of, Andrew, can you let me sleep in today? Like that. You know, that was a muffled voice. Now, now, you're like, oh, yeah, that just means, like, be quiet. No, 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 it means a little bit more than that. Let me think a little bit more than that. Because Ray and I have kind of have a deal. And here's the deal. Like, we wake up at 6.30. You pack the, uh, the kids' lunch. I make everyone's breakfast. So when you hear the muffle, you know, can you, can I sleep in it? What is she asking for? Not just be quiet, but, you know, pack the lunches. Can you pack the lunches, please? You know, right? She's asking me to work a little bit harder. No, 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 here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I normally, I realize at that moment, okay, I got two choices. The, the first choice is, you know, you, 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 can, you can say basically, can you, can you sleep? You go, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Even though I did hear what she said, I didn't hear you. Can you say it again, right? And then what she do? She's got to say it again. And then when she said it again, she's a little bit more awake, and so she might get awake and get up and do it, right? Can I get an Amen. Good. No one gave me amen. That was the test. You're not supposed to amen that. Okay, so that, that's what you call passive-aggressive no, right? Now, anyone think that's healthy? Okay, it's not, right? So here's number two. Here's number two. This is what I normally do. This is how I was raised to do. You get up, you say, sure thing, I got this. I'll go do it. Not a big deal. Just do it. Right? Are you guys with me? That's how I was raised. Be a good boy. That's what a good boy does. You just do it. But, but God... <laughs> Man, the scripture, God has been challenging me. And I begin to see that that is not really honoring to Raina. That's not really love. And it's not really honoring to God. It is doing out of duty. And I feel like God is saying, you know, there is a third option. And it's a much better way. Now, I think that much better way is in Ephesians chapter 5. And let me just blow this up for you. Ephesians 5, 28, Priscilla read it. And it goes like this. It is about husbands and wives. And the husband should love their wives as their own. What's the next word? They should love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, I want you to think about it. How would you define yourself? Like, where are you located? Normally, people would say, in this body, right? So this is the boundary of myself. And normally I look for joy in the context of my own boundary. Isn't this saying, extend your boundary? Like extend your body? No, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Okay, I brought this. This is the blanket of myself, okay? This is the boundary of me, okay? You guys with me? There's the blanket of me. And so normally, I am going to look for joy within my own body, within my own blanket. And this blanket is the blanket of my joy. You guys are with me? What does this blanket represent? It's the blanket of my joy. Okay? Here is my joy. Here is my boundary. Now, when I got married, I didn't know this happened. But this is kind of what happened. Raina, could you please stand up? Okay, so here is Raina. Here is me. Okay, we're not doing it yet. Okay, here's Raina. Here's me. This is the boundary of my joy. I didn't realize this, but husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So now the blanket of my joy has increased to cover her. Now, doesn't it feel really warm in here, Raina? Yes. <laughs> Alan, do you want to get in here? No, yeah, no, no. Just, you know, you, 
right? So, so, so here we are. So really, where I'm looking for for joy is, is not just me. I'm looking for it from her. So when I wrap up my joy in her joy, that is love. Isn't that what you see from the scripture? Love wraps up its joy in the joy of another. When I see her joyful, oh my gosh, it's a greater joy than me just doing something for myself. Isn't that what love is? You were, you were great. Thank you for doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> they gave me a mint. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How'd you know? Okay. Yeah. So I can smell you from over there. Okay. Um, thank you. No, she knew I needed when my throat was dry. Okay. So that is, that is what, what love does. And so this was my breakthrough moment. I, I woke up out of bed. I normally be like, yeah, sure, I do. I don't even think about it anymore. But I think God is doing something in me, and I realize love wraps up its joy in the joy of another. And so I, I had a picture of my wife an hour later waking up, feeling refreshed, you know, hair all disheveled, but looking beautiful and refreshed. And I'm like, I want that. So I'm going to pack those lunches with joy. That's what love does. It finds its joy in the joy of another. Now, look, this is not just for marriage. Husbands should do this to the wife, but it's a living parable of Christ and the church. That kind of love is here in this room between other people. You can do this to your boss or your parents or the homeless man on the street or the orphan across the world. It's to extend your understanding of who you are, where your joy is. And you wrap up your joy in the joy of another. Do you guys do that? Do you guys do that? In what you do, do you guys do that? Are you duty bound? Or are you joy bound? When you do something sacrificial, are you even picturing them joyful? Does your imagination go that far? And when you see them joyful, then does that give you joy and incentive? And if it does, that is what love does. You see, God is refining our love. Love finds its joy in the joy of another. So, let's just give you some examples. Your parents asked you to pick them up from the airport. Your natural response is, yeah, that's what a good daughter does, right? But you're not going to do that. Instead, you're going to picture your parents joyful, feeling loved and well provided for. And you're like, I want that. And then you do it with joy. How many of you guys have a roommate who's like a slob? Raise your hand. Raina's raising her hand. That's funny. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. All right. Well, here's the thing, you know. How about cleaning their side of the room? What? Well, here's the idea. Okay, that's what a good roommate does. You, okay, but but you, you go back, you're like, okay, I'm picturing my roommate coming back to uh, the apartment and looking at everything, feeling, looking uh, tidy, and feeling like five seconds of refreshment. You're like, I want that. And so you clean up their apartment because you want their joy, because your joy is wrapped up in their joy. Are you guys with me so far? No? Okay, one person's with me. Okay, well, can we go to the next point now? Let's go to the next point, okay? Um, this was my breakthrough moment. I'm actually realizing that God is changing my heart. 
I'm actually loving, not just out of duty, but out of delight. I'm loving from the inside out, and I feel like that's how God wants us to love. Okay, point number two. Okay, we go, why should I? Why should I love to the point of sacrifice? Here's reason number two. It all comes from Hebrews. Okay, now, now Priscilla did a great job reading it, so I'm not going to read it again, but I want to articulate a little bit of the context, okay? So in that first verse from Hebrews that we read, what you see happening in the churches is that there are Christians who are being thrown into prison, and they're being thrown into prison just because they are Christians, Okay, so I want you to imagine like Priscilla was up here and Gordon was up here. Let's say the authorities come and they, they haul them off to jail, okay? They haul them off to jail because they're believers. And here's the thing, like they don't have coats, so they're cold. And they don't have much food, so they're hungry. Here's the question, would you go and visit them? Irene would. I think most of us would. Here's the thing. The church actually went to go visit them. They supplied them. They prayed for them. They encouraged them. The authorities took note of who went. And then the authorities punished the people who went by seizing their property. You came back home after visiting, and your car is gone. Your MacBook is gone. Your iPhone is gone. One of your kids is gone. I'm just kidding. No, it wasn't that kind of property. But stuff is gone. And here's how the Hebrews responded. They said... They said, look at this, the seizure of your property. They accepted it joyfully, the seizure of your property. They're like, hey, we're totally okay with that. We're totally okay with that. Why? Knowing that you have for yourselves a, what's the next word? Better. Let me hear you guys say better. A better possession and a, what's the next word? Lasting one. They're like, no, 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 no. What I got in heaven what I got in God is not just better than my car, but it's also more lasting. Now, let me just stop and ask you, do you think like that? And let me go on. Let me do one more, okay? Moses, okay? Same thing. He suffered so much by identifying with the Hebrews, serving, loving, identifying with the Hebrews. He suffered so much when he could have been in the palace sipping tea with the Pharaoh because he was a prince of Egypt. Now, why would he choose the former over the latter? And here it says, it says, he was looking to the what? The reward. Now, now some of you are like, you know, that doesn't sound noble. That sounds selfish. Oh, but Hebrews wants to give you one more example. One more example to really seal the case. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, let's not have anyone here think they're better than Jesus. Jesus did it for the joy. Joy in what? Well, the best I can read this passage, it's joy in the reward that only comes from God. Jesus did it for future reward. So did Moses. So did the Hebrews. What are you thinking about? When was the last time you thought about it? No, no, here's the thing. I am someone and I live with people and we don't think about this. We don't think about this. It's, oh, it's so abstract. It's so far away. I don't really just like waste my time thinking about it. Really? Most of us 
think like maybe 10 days ahead, right? Like right now, I'm looking forward to my Sabbath tomorrow. That's just one day ahead. I can't even do 10 days ahead. I'm thinking one day ahead. Most people are like, I'm just thinking about 10 days ahead. Now, what do you call someone who just thinks 10 days ahead? They're, they're thinking about it. They're looking forward to stuff. They're worried about 10 days ahead. What do you call them? Normal. Okay, well, hold on. What do you call someone who thinks like 10 years ahead? Oh, that person is visionary. Okay, well, what do you call a person who thinks like 10 million years ahead? Well, according to the scripture, you would call them biblical. You guys biblical? Are you thinking about it? Like constantly thinking about it? Uh, Let me put it this way. When I was in high school, I've never forgotten this teacher. His name was Mr. Spoden. He was my history teacher. He said that he had two loves in life. The first love was his life, wife. Sorry, that came out wrong. It was his wife. The second, (laughs) that just came out there. Um, The second love was history. He was a history freak, okay? The very last day of class, he was a great teacher. Very last day of class, he led the whole class onto the football field, right? And so um, he started at the very edge of the field, right? And he said, you guys, this, let's pretend, this, this line right here is the beginning of human history, okay? So whatever you believe, however it began, this is the beginning. Now, all of this was the time afterwards that came after that. Now, let me ask you, let me ask you, how much history have we covered? And, of course, we are in U.S. history class, right? So one kid, like, runs up to the middle of the field and goes, I think it's right, right here, you know, right here. Yeah, he wasn't too bright, that kid, okay? <laughs> Another kid, a little bit smarter, said, I think it's further down, I think it's further down. You know what Mr. Spoden did? Mr. Spoden said, hey, class, come here. And we all went down, and he went all the way to the, to the end of the 100-yard line, and he was like, okay, guys, right, right here, like, right here, like, like in, and then he got down on all fours, right? You know, he actually put out a ruler for dramatic effect, and he got on all fours, and he measured like an inch. And he says, you see that inch? And we're like, yeah, that is how much history we've covered. And we were like, whoa. And then we looked at all the history that was not yet covered. We're like, whoa, right? So he was a great teacher, right? He was a great teacher. He made us go, whoa, that's hard to do for a high school uh, person. Now, here's the thing. I, I want to use Mr. Spoden's illustration, except I want to switch around the, 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 the framework of it, okay? Now, let's say this line right here is the very moment you were born, okay? And then this all right here is your future, Okay, now Mr. Spoden had like a very poignant question. Here's my question. How much space is this present life right here? You know, and then, a, you know, not so bright person, you know, <laughs> middle, you know. Um, and and, and here, here, here's the answer. Mr. Spoden got a ruler. I don't have a ruler, but he did get on all fours. I'm going to get on all fours right here. If you look at very closely... Oh, I'm not kidding you. This is like fingernail. That's gross. Okay. All right, I'm not going to use the fingernail. I'm going to use this other piece of white thing. That's a piece of lint right there, right there. That's a piece of lint right here. You guys can't see it, but it's right over here, okay? This piece of lint is your life. That's your life right there. Now, the beginning of the lint is when you were born, you know, the hug, 
man, you, you, you know, you're, oh, beautiful baby, right? And then at the end of this piece of lint is the day that you will die. And then this all right here is eternity. When's the last time you thought about that? Now, now why? Why are we so focused on the micromillimeter that's the next 10 days? When you have like 10 million years to think about. 10 million years to think about. And, and, and here is the Hebrews, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we, we, we love them and they took our property. We don't, we don't care because we have such a better and a lasting possession. Here's Moses like, okay, I can sip tea with Pharaoh or I can suffer and lead with my people. Well, my eyes are on the reward. I'm going to sit and suffer. And then you have the alternate example, Jesus, who endured the greatest sacrifice out of love for people. And he did it with joy. Why? Because he was thinking about the 10 million years. Why are we not thinking about this? Why are we so focused on those, those 10 days? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Now, now, now listen to me. I, I'm, I'm not saying that if you love people sacrificially, that you, that's going to get you into eternity. I, I'm not saying. The scripture is very, very clear. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. We don't get into eternity without Jesus and his sacrifice, which is available through faith. Now, here's the thing. It's not saying if you're good, you get in, but it is saying, as far as I understand the scriptures, if you live by faith and you pour out your life for other people, it does get a reward. It doesn't get you in, but it does get a reward for all of eternity. So I imagine we're, we're here going like, you're telling me that if I pour out my life and I, I love people, I, I take the lowest place, I don't judge, I forgive, I look at people I really love sacrificially, that that is going to make a difference for all of eternity? I think that's what the scriptures are saying. Then doesn't that make you go, well, okay, then I'm going to pour out my life on this micromillimeter, on this lint. I'm going to live every day just loving and giving and serving and taking the lowest place, just like Jesus. Why? He wasn't thinking about the next 10 days. He was thinking about the 10 million years. What's your focus on? What is your focus on today? You stand with me. Let's pray. Uh, I want to make this available for everyone. If you would like to receive prayer, we would love to pray for you in the back. There's prayer counselors there. Uh, they'll pray for any prayer request you have. You just tell them what you want prayer for, and we have people who love you and would love to pray for you, okay? Would you just uh, pray with me and... Uh, I think I'll be done with my part, but would you just pray with me? Um, Lord, uh, please forgive us. Um, I, I, I bet there's a lot of us, including me, we don't think about the 10 million years that much. 
We, we, don't, we don't think about it. We don't get joy. We just, we just are not thinking about it. We're thinking about the next 10 days or maybe the last 10 years. And you have been preparing this mind-blowing, amazing uh, uh, a life for us. And it's already beginning, but it's going to culminate the moment that we die and see you. And it's going to culminate even more when we see Jesus uh, down here on earth coming back. Please forgive us, Lord. Our vision is so uh, myopic. We're, we're like focused on the wrong thing. I pray that you would help us to see the very, very big picture. To, to never look at eternity and yawn, you know. But to look at your promise, at your reward, and just to embrace our destiny with joy. Incredible joy living every moment, pouring out our lives, loving other people, all for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.